0: Welcome to the Wild Grace podcast. My name is Riva Wild, and I am one of your co-directors and co-mamas of this movement of wild witchy women bringing the dark feminine alive in a world that has all but tried to destroy her as this, yeah, sacred, destructive, magnificent, magnetic energy that we're all a part of. And I am so excited to be connecting here with Saya. Saya is one of the original trainers of Wild Grace and has gone on a deep and powerful journey in her own reclamation of the dark feminine. And we're going to be touching in on some of the more challenging pieces of what it is to reclaim the dark feminine, recognize the dark feminine and connect What the reclamation of her is in the context of mental health, spiritual crisis, and essentially like the global meaning-making crisis that we're all navigating. So I'm super excited that you're here, Saya. And yeah, I'm so honored that you're choosing to bring your story to us and that you're coming back into the fold. And this is your grand reconnection into, yeah, our coven.
1: Mm. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It feels like this is the perfect platform, the perfect timing, and the perfect opportunity for me to begin revealing and sharing my experience. So I'm really grateful to be here and to be having this conversation with you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that a part of the way that you have come back into connection with wild grace is through what some of us in these kind of like spiritual and sacred landscapes of learning would call like a dark night of the soul and this is something that oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. i've had a few (laughs) I was going to say, like, I don't think you can touch spiritual work actually and not experience them, and you definitely will not get through any kind of descent, dark feminine, like, true embodiment work and not know what that is.
1: <laughs> yeah, and once you start, once you go begin on the path of truth and you choose truth over illusion My experience is you can't really go back. And even if you try, like there have been moments in this last year where I have tried to kid myself that I could re-enter a life of illusion that would just, you know, look pretty on the outside and be acceptable in society. And I realised I just cannot because I've seen too much, I've gone too deep. And I'm here to continue whether or not that feels pleasant and whether or not that feels easy is kind of irrelevant. It's a choice. It's a contract that I made and it's continually spiraling me deeper and deeper. And the lesson that I'm feeling in all of this is how much surrender can I bring to the process and how much trust can I have that it, will continue to hold me and serve me and serve the world.
0: Mm. The piece that really touches me in that is like what it is to go through these moments of complex, sometimes traumatic, painful, devastating recognitions of The illusions that we've been taught to live in our lives and the kind of like white picket fence stories, you could say, as a category that we've tried to paint ourselves with, with our community. It's just like, I will have the super couple partner and the trip to Bali and (laughs) then Mexico and then teach at this festival in this part of the world and i'll be able to buy everything in like eco luxury recycled but like only one and still costing a lot designer and i'll have like this eco car but i won't need it and like all like the, there's this image that we give ourselves that we're supposed to fit to live life and you coming back to this thread of what is it to recognize that that's not actually true And to come back into service with what is actually true, what you deeply care about and what it can really mean to be alive, which kind of brings me into this kind of like first exploratory question or curiosity, which is this question of like, what is your journey with Wild Grace been like? Like, where did that begin? And also, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced in your learning, your spiritual awakening, in your world as you've been navigating the learning, the underworld that the dark feminine will throw us into to really strip ourselves bare of the stories? And, yeah, eventually coming to, like, where are you now? Take us on a journey. Tell me a story, (laughs) Saya. It's a really (laughs) fucking good one.
1: <laughs> Are you ready? I recommend getting yourself a cup of tea. And <laughs> <laughs> here we go. So I would oh, how far am I gonna try back? Okay, I'm gonna take us back to when I was living the white picket fence lifestyle that I was so conditioned to believe would bring me happiness. And that included the rich alpha male partner. It included the mansion with the swimming pool and the convertible Mercedes Benz car that I always dreamed of. It included all of the luxury eco clothes and (laughs) all of the things which we think are really going to make us believe that we've made it in life. And on the external, I really knew how to get that for myself I got that for myself I had all of the things and as I continued to deepen into my spiritual work I kept recognizing that there was an emptiness and there was a void in what I was really wanting to experience which was the feeling of being alive and connected and deeply intimate with myself and the world and A big part of that feeling is being in connection to my dark feminine energy. And as someone who has been very curious about this energy of myself and has gone through the phases of being the slut at university and running the energy through promiscuity and That was how I expressed her. Then leaving university and moving to Australia and I had my degree was in social policy and criminology. I am fascinated by the psychology of criminals. And I decided to use this qualification instead of going down the route of corporate work, which was where I was recommended to go, I decided to do an apprenticeship at a strip club and I chose to bartend for four years at a strip club and it was my perfect observation ground for witnessing the dark feminine and also observing the men and the customers that would come in and all the psychodynamics that were involved in that space. And for me, it was just the best way for me to be in like a really practical immersion of dancing with these energies and realising that this was when the illusion started to fall away of what I believed was it'd be the most beautiful girls surely that make the most money. It would be the girls that look most like Britney Spears or Jennifer Lopez or, you know, these avatars of the feminine that we believe are the most attractive. And what I quickly learned was that was not the truth. There was something else that was the magnet and that was the captivator and was the essence in a woman that called the customers in and that trends that created the exchange of a fuck ton of money because I was I was there I was really tracking like who's making the most here who's got all the regulars who's really struggling who's addicted to alcohol who's using coping mechanisms who's got daddy issues you know I was using all of the frameworks that I'd learn in psychology to observe what was in front of me and I got to learn a lot about that and in that experience I think I was a lot of my dark feminine was vicariously living through them but feeling safe and boundary because I literally had the bar was my boundary was the physical boundary that I had from it was a very it's a The environment of most strip clubs I believe is pretty distorted in terms of how it holds this energy which is so powerful and so sacred and I feel collectively there is this really deep yearning and desire for a more sacred space for us to run, receive, witness and exchange this energy like the temples that once were. And so this apprenticeship that I gave myself served me in a lot of ways you know I saved on a very human level it served me in the sense that I made I could make a lot of tips and I learned how to hustle and I learned how to observe a lot of women who were running this energy but essentially after four years my health was suffering from the late nights and from the tequila shots and from being my nervous system was absolutely fried from you know the music everything it was not healthy and health is a, has always been one of my highest values and so I started to experience like bloating and lower back pain. And I just knew my body was not in alignment. So I went to see a Chinese medicine doctor and he looked at my tongue and he, you know, he did the, he felt my pulse. He asked me about my lifestyle. And as soon as he found out that I was going to bed at 3am, four nights out of seven, he just looked at me and said, until you change your line of work and the environment you're in and the hours that you're sleeping you're going to be completely out of whack. And he was just like chisel. He did not give me any fluff. He was just like, no more. He was like, I cannot help you unless you cut this and you change your life dramatically. And I was really resistant to receiving that in the moment. I was very attached to this lifestyle that I'd created and the money and the freedom, um, the friends. And so I wasn't quite ready at that time to cut that. Eventually my health, no, actually that's not true. Eventually I set myself a goal and a target for how much money I wanted to save. And once I hit that target, I made a pact with myself to quit and invest all of the money that I'd saved in healing and personal development programs. So that's what I did. And in that time I invested in yoga teacher training in the spiral in multiple different bodies of work and coaches i remember there was this one point where i hadn't worked for probably a year i hadn't worked for a year and i had been really on the path of purity at this point so i was really focusing and purifying myself which i needed to do (laughs) and There was a part of, I still lived with and still was very close friends with a lot of people who worked in the club. And the part of me that loved making money and the part of me that loved being naughty felt a little sad and suppressed after a year, kind of like, hey, like, what about me? You know, like, are you only going to be, are you only going to love yourself if you're pure and if you're drinking celery juice and if you're meditating and doing yoga like what about me (laughs) you know basically it was like my little snake was like hello (laughs) like all right (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) I still need some space in your life and I didn't know I didn't know at that point I didn't have the tools to I really didn't have the tools to run this energy in a healthy way and so I defaulted and I remember saying to my partner at the time I think I want to go back and like just bartend a little bit you know make some money and and he was just like what the fuck he was like no you're not going back you know why would you do that to yourself you don't need the money like you know you know that environment's not good for you and he just couldn't get he just didn't get it and he also I believe he did not want me to be I think there was a part of him that was threatened by the idea of me being in that, like like how powerful and magnetic that energy is and how destructive it can also be. So he was very much, no, like I just think you're going backwards and I don't support you if you do that. And so I sat with that desire and I felt like, okay, what's really happening here? Why do I want to go? Why do I want to do this? I didn't go back and what happened was I My prayer was answered and essentially I wanted to know how to honour my dark feminine in a more sacred way and that was when Wild Grace came to me and that was when I started to work with this energy in practice and with a very different intention, not with the intention to manipulate or make money. I mean, yeah, not with the intention to manipulate This time I was working with this energy with the intention to be in service and heal and create. And that felt so different. And that felt so activating. And I was just so fucking alive. I was so, just like every hair on my body was present. And excited (laughs) to be feeling what I'd been yearning to feel for so long this this state of aliveness and this integration like realizing oh this is not an evil energy and this is not a corrupt energy this is actually just something that needs a container and needs some boundaries and (laughs) some really strong boundaries (laughs) then it's like the most magical energy to work with of all time and in saying that it wasn't just that easy you know it's I've gone through the what I've learned about Lilith or the dark feminine is that she is inherently an energy that loves to break boundaries and so what I've observed in my relationship to when I invoke my sexual energy if I create the container but I create the boundaries of how I believe I can work with this energy and integrity so I can give an example I'm gonna work I'm going to if I decide to spark my magnetic sexual energy in a space a boundary I can set with myself is that I am not going to leak that energy or hook that energy into anyone in the room this energy is for me and I'll create that container and I will cast that circle around myself and I will consciously choose not to leak or hook right and that boundary I can set with myself needs to be reset over and over again because once you start running me and she, she gets really hungry And she starts to feel all, all powerful. She's like, "Mm, what can I, you know, what can I, she loves to play with things. She's playful. She's cheeky. Oh yes. And she Mm -hmm. she needs regular like doming to keep her.
0: (laughs) I notice. I want to hop in there because there's something that feels so accurate about, specifically like the like true hunger of the dark feminine. Cause when we think of the dark feminine as like the earthy feminine, where the light feminine is more of like the celestial, the angelic, the like space holding receptive has more kisses of like the maiden energy and the priestess energy. Like I'm holding space for the cosmic to be bridged on earth. There's more of that like lightness and like the space holding meeting the like, coming into the receptivity. The dark feminine is like the earthy compost where the light feminine is the sprout bursting from the seed and flowering. The dark feminine is like that decaying process and that coming deeper into connection with the body, with the depth. With, like, the marrow of the bones. She is the dark of the womb.
1: <laughs> yes. Yum. That is so poetic and a hundred percent, like, viscerally, that's what it feels like. And I recently pinpointed a kink of mine, like an unconscious kink of mine. I've been doing a lot of Carolyn Elliott's essential kink work.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, we love her here. <laughs>
1: I recognise it's like, fuck, man, I have got a very clear kink for hanging around in the graveyard for extended periods. Like my deaths are not just, you know, some people are like, oh, I had, I had a death and it's like a one-day thing or an hour thing. It's like, no, no, when I die and when I decompose into that soil, I still, day there I percolate there I marinate there for a whole fucking year like this has happened to me multiple times now where it's where I you know you can label these periods many things You, you can you can label these periods like mental health breakdowns dark night of the soul shutdown and collapse in polyvagal theory there's like being stuck in a trauma response there's so many you know different labels that we can place on a period of time that we're having a so called death, and essentially it's just it is it's part of nature, and and it's not many people's cup of tea to decompose in a graveyard for a year. You know people are like, why the fuck would I want to do that when I could be ascending, when I could be you know doing all this other stuff? And it's like, well, okay, true, and now that I'm. On the other side of what has been a long time in decomposing in a graveyard and dying and really being with myself, I can feel now all these pieces that have landed and integrated. I can feel the new depth in my voice. I can feel how much more anchored I am in the core of the earth because I stayed there and I didn't run out and I didn't rush the process and I feel there is immense value in that and I wouldn't wish the last year that I have experienced on anyone I really really would not recommend it (laughs) to I just don't think it's something that most people would want to choose and I don't regret it and I feel that there's so much gold that I have been able to excavate in the process
0: yeah before we get too deep into the gold I want to really acknowledge the how do I want to word this it's like the depths and the pain and the challenge and the complexity that we experience in our human lives and what it is to recognize as you're saying whether it's an experience that we're calling collapse or depression or mental health crisis or spiritual awakening crisis or going into kind of like decomposing descent for a long period of time what it is to recognize that the social cultures we've been like socialized in, learned in, and taught from for thousands of years have shamed the feminine, have suppressed the feminine, which is. Like the whole spectrum of it, our feeling, our receiving, our expression, our aliveness, our sexuality, the way that our hands feel when they touch each other, and being able to be with that gorgeous, orgasmic, sensory experience of being alive, that's been shut down for centuries and centuries, millennia. And you can even see it in the language, the shame and the fear and the judgment that has been placed on a part of being alive. Mm -hmm. So then when you have folks like us and I put myself in a similar, yeah, in a similar camp or dark feminine coven, you could say, where I've experienced since I was like seven to 17 and into university, different moments of what was called depression in these experiences of the outside world telling me that I couldn't experience what I wanted. For me, it was like as the fat girl and that story I'd lived in since I was five that we've given for women who have squishy bodies, (laughs) this story of I'm not enough for love and I'm never going to experience that like deep, dark, erotic pulse That I could see in like my teens, other women starting to experience coming into university, other folks being able to connect with and feeling like that aliveness, even though I could feel it inside of me was barred, was a problem, was going to not exist or be able to exist in the world in a way that would make sense. So my system learned to shut myself down, make myself small, collapse go into that learned helplessness, that place where we've learned to be helpless in the face of the world because we've learned that the social structures of the world are more powerful than us. That's my experience. Everyone has different flavors of experience in this. And like with that, I want to acknowledge how deep that went. Like the shame of the feminine and the violence towards the feminine in our social cultures of feeling, sensing, Caring, compassion, navigating the world that we're in right now. There have been multiple times where I have tried and have wanted to end my life. And that has been a part of my history of being human and being someone awakening into eroticism, awakening into my body, and awakening into the power of descent and what it is to really land in the wild, strange magic. Of reality and what it is to be alive here on earth. And that's not to cut us off from like the ascension and the like connection to the cosmic, the universal. It's to recognize that that exists here because we are in these bodies. And we've been taught to try to escape the feminine, escape the body, ascend out of the feminine. Mm -hmm. which has so many of us in these disassociative moments where when we start going into dissension work, a part of us is like, oh no, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be a starseed. So I'm going to pretend I'm a starseed and just collapse into Netflix for a long, long, long time or whatever it is that has kind of like hooked our attention. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I want to invite more of like what your story has been with the year in the graveyard, the year journeying with death and learning with that
1: space in your
0: humanness. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, thank you. There was a lot that you just shared that really resonated and in particular, the learned helplessness and the shutdown. So what I have experienced is when I am working with and wielding with my dark feminine, I am able to magnetise whatever I want. Money comes very easily. I'm feeling very alive, very creative, very turned on, and with that, I'm also recognising that I can just by existing, I am triggering people, I'm activating people. Even if I'm really containing this energy, it's just by its essence, it is an activation and it is a trigger. And I've had to do so much work around understanding that triggers, like triggering someone is not a bad thing. It's really a sign, actually, that you're in your power. And I'll never forget when I that piece really landed for me, and I was able to really embody my fullest expression to another degree. I did a practice in my spiral training. We all did a practice where we we sat in a circle and we each took turns sharing our projection of someone in the space and revealing our projection of someone in the space. And when this exercise was first presented. I remember my initial response was like, oh, fuck, I hope no one chooses me. I hope I'm not the one that's, like, you know, triggering people. That was my first thought. There was about 30 or 40 of us in this group. And by the end of the practice, what I realised very clearly was the most magnetic, the most authentic, the most powerful and the most admired people in the space were the ones that were being chosen over and over and over again. On the flip side, it was the people who in the space who weren't chosen once were those who were in people pleaser that were in, you know, just just trying to keep everyone happy and not really being authentic to themselves, just trying to be invisible in the space. Obviously, they didn't, they weren't triggering anyone, so they weren't chosen. So what I really learned in that, in particular, the leader of this training. Everyone in this training had invested $7,000 to be there for a week to learn from this teacher, and he received 90% of the projections in the space from most people, and these were like some heinous projections. Basically, he was triggering all of us, and it was perfect we were paying for that that's why we loved him that's why we were magnetized that's that was the medicine he was providing with us that he was activating us and triggering all of our stuff to be alchemized and so I remember I think I I think about three or four people chose me out of everyone and by the end I just sat there and I was like wow I wish I'd been chosen more I wish I had triggered more people through my genuine authentic expression. And the fact that I only had three or four people was actually a sign to me of like the size, how much I was allowing myself to really be me, you know. And so after that practice, I really made like a pact with myself. It was like, you know what, Sire, you triggering people is a sign of you being in your power. It's a sign of you being authentic. It's a sign of your medicine. And the more you allow yourself to do that, the more service you can be in don't be afraid of it right and it's hard to receive a lot of projections you know there's we are receiving psychic projections all the time every time we share something on our social media whoever's seeing that is having some kind of projection and when if you have really good boundaries and you really know who you are then you can we can protect ourselves from this in various ways but the minute your boundaries feel suppressed or you start to doubt yourself. You can really feel the penetrative nature of projections. And so in the last year, I experienced great, in the last two years, I experienced great expansion. Mm -hmm. I really just felt so embodied in my warrior and in what I was here to speak of and share about. I felt completely shameless in my expression. I actually felt... A really strong call of duty for me and for my community to continually express myself without any shame or censorship, especially experiencing all the censorship that is currently happening on social media. I, I felt my warrior really coming online and being like, "No, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share. I'm not gonna censor myself. I'm fearless. I've got." like I've been told by multiple people that my social media boundaries turn people on because I've just really clearly state what I'm available for and what I'm not available for. So that was the period of great expansion. And then I had my deepest humbling in that because with great expansion can also come a great expansion with great expansion of any energy and power and attention, there is always the ego that can rise with that. I needed some humble pie and I had a very humbling, very grounding, very painful experience when I moved to Bali and I recognised that I didn't feel safe there and i didn't feel held there and i suddenly felt incredibly vulnerable when i left everything that had was things that was anchoring me and giving me so much support in melbourne when i moved to bali i really felt my vulnerability and i felt my need to be held and i didn't have anyone and i thought i would and this really led me to drop into a state of fear. And my boundaries really, my boundaries like melted in that time. I didn't feel like I knew how to have boundaries. I dropped into that helplessness. I dropped into that like fawning and freeze and fight and flight all simultaneously. Like every single, like just, you know, when you're that deer in the woods that just doesn't know where to go, what to do, and where's safe. I really was in that for Quite a long time, and I, on an unconscious level, I mean, when you're in that space, you're really thinking about survival. So I just dropped into a survival space. And the story I told myself was that my dark feminine energy was dangerous and it wasn't lovable. And for me to be loved, I needed to be purer, lighter, and more of a maiden and more of a damsel in distress, more gentle, more sweet, more likable, all of these stories, right, of, like, your power is too much, your eros is too much, and if you want to be held, which is really what I want, it's what we all want, right? We all want to be held. We all want someone to hold us in our greatest capacity and to hold us and be able to witness us in our fierceness and in our vulnerability. I believe we all desire that, man and woman. I feel like I have, yeah, I feel that I created a story that I was too much and that I needed to downplay and I needed to shrink for myself to be held and to be safe and to be liked and to belong and that was the beginning of that story was the beginning of the year of me just descending and, descending and descending and descending and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and having no boundaries and not being able to share anything at all on my social media. So I went from being shamelessly, unapologetically in my errors and so unabashed and triggering everyone and being like nothing can penetrate me to being the complete opposite I went from all of a sudden I was this fawning deer that if anyone said boo to me I would like I was like shaking I did not know how to like my egg of protection was it felt like it had completely crumbled and I needed to hide myself and cocoon myself from the world so yeah that's that's a little of how I've experienced My relationship to this energy.
0: I really appreciate you choosing to articulate the experience of what I've learned to call like downward spiral of where it's not just like a I'm descending and it's dark and it's deep and it's intense and it's scary and it's moving through these things but that place where we get stuck in that helplessness story and like making it so human where this moment where I'm hearing that like you went and were in this like expansive, like, oh my gosh, I'm in Bali. Oh my gosh, this should be so amazing. And then experiencing, oh, my community isn't here. The people who hold me aren't here. And Bali's pretty lightwashed as far as I understand in it's spiritual community. So you come in with any form of dark feminine, they're like, at least this was what I've heard. I don't know if this is true just to acknowledge, but having an experience where you're not landing in a community that's willing to hold your fullness can easily trigger this very like biological animal primal instinct of like, Oh fuck, I'm not safe. And I feel like this is the story of so many women when it comes to openings in their sexuality there'll be that opening and then there's a trauma response there'll be that opening and then a sexual assault there'll be an opening and then they get excommunicated from a community or a partnership and that like that that happened for me in different moments i was like oh my gosh i can be erotic oh no relationships are actually really hard and challenging and i don't know what i'm doing these moments that are like really fucking human. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about from here, like hearing the story of what allowed you to shift that place of the downward spiral or the kind of like down, down, down graveyard walk that you were in and you're learning and what allowed you to shift into an upward spiral? What were the aspects of life that allowed you to shift out of that story of like, I have to be small to be safe and be held.
1: Mm, that is a great question. And it's never one thing, but it's a few things. And this is I've experienced this enough times now that I am really starting to track and take note of what, I need to really bring me out of the downward spiral and back into the upward spiral of this. For me, I've recognised the deep, grand importance of being in containers. And when I say a container, what I mean is having structured time in my life And having a clear beginning and end and not just any container either. I really realised that for me, I need need containers that are held by someone with big dick energy. And (laughs) I've also started to understand that I myself have very big dick energy. And so if I'm in a container where the facilitator, like I am, I think we're all actually energetically aware, whether we're conscious of it or, or not, you know, like when big dick energy walks into a space, like you feel it. That's the whole point. It's the most penetrative energy and it's like, you. it's just like, woof, I'm here and I'm fucking, I'm the pole, right? And so I was like trying to like go into contain, not trying, I I knew I needed to. I needed a container, but I was really struggling to find one that really allowed my feminine to relax and surrender and receive. And what I recognised, like for me now, when I need to be in a container that I can just, whoever's facilitating, I can go, oh, okay, like big exhale, this person has fucking got me. So... That was a big piece for me when I signed up to this Tantra and Energetic Yoga Teacher training held by two absolute boss witches who have gone so deep into their work, who are just older, wiser, and so fucking embodied in their dark feminine. That allowed me to really just sink back and just breathe and be like, okay, I'm in this container now, there's structure here, there's clear boundaries, there's clear timeframes, like, yes, this is what I love, this is what I need, just softened me. Also, a big piece for me is that really supports my nervous system is having a morning practice and working with meditation and mantra. I've known this for long 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 time and I slip in and out of my diligence with that and my commitment to that and I really notice if I'm not doing that if I'm waking up and frying my brain to notifications on my phone like if that's the first thing I'm doing that is just not serving me not serving my mental health and not serving my ability to be in my true channel and so, when I came back to having a diligent practice, when altar, oh, all right, altar magic. This is a big one. Everyone and anyone who's listening, if you don't have an altar right now that you can sit at and you can create a portal for yourself to sit and receive messages, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Like, in my opinion, everyone needs an altar. And if you don't know what an altar is, because I understand, like, not even some people don't understand, like, what is an altar? To me, an altar is just quite simply like a, a sm- amount of space that you keep clear and you come to receive and pray. And I think very simply, if you've got nothing to put on an altar, all you really need is a candle. I'm sitting at my altar right now and I've got got a purple candle, which is on right now, which is very symbolic for me of the spirit of wild grace and the power of purple for transmutation. I've got a white candle. I've got a black candle. I have a picture of my Japanese ancestors. I have some blue lotus medicine. I have the wild grace manual and... I have a Sekhmet statue, which is the Egyptian goddess that I feel extremely connected to. So having an altar and working with it very intentionally to call in what you need and to work with specific medicines, whether they're plant medicines, whether they are symbols, whether they are your ancestors, whether it's just really simply the flame of a candle to invoke your inner fire, which has been a big part of what I've also been working with. It's magic. And I let my altar practice slip in the last year. And since I came back to that with more diligence and incorporated that with a morning practice and worked with a mantra and Vedic meditation, everything started to, my nervous system really started to shift. Yeah, I'd say those things. And I've got to add, like, it really helps if you have a witch around you. (laughs) (laughs) i can
0: attest to this (laughs) oh yeah oh (laughs) yep
1: if you're really in it you just need a witch like a really powerful witch and god bless the witches because that's what has brought me through and out over and over again to reactivate the, my kundalini energy, my sexual energy. Because I, So I have just full disclosure, I'm bleeding right now. I am so fucking happy about the fact that I'm bleeding right now because in this graveyard shift that I took, when I do go into this descent, my body responds by, like when we think of the womb, we understand the womb, our wombs as... You know, this is the space of creation. And this is the house of the dark feminine. And when I switch that off, I stop bleeding and I stop my creative channel switches off. My sexual energy, my Eros dies. I feel like I'm going to die. I literally feel dead when I'm not bleeding and that my I repress my Eros. I feel like I'm dead. It's like no one's quite, no one's really home. And that's. You know, psychologists might be like, you're depressed and you're this and all the labels, and it's like, yeah, or maybe I just need to run my kundalini energy, and sometimes we need help with that. An erotic witch can really help or a witch that's embodied in her eros, which is what we do. This is what Wild Grace is all about. And I was so lucky to actually be doing the yoga teacher training that I enrolled in the container is one of the women is wild grace trained. The lead facilitator is a wild grace practitioner. And so that medicine was in, has been infused into the container that I've been in. And it really, really reactivated me and brought me home.
0: One of the things that I hear in your journey that also echoes in mine is like coming back to practice brings me back home, home. Mm. and the peace around like sometimes you just need a witch it's like we need our women We need our people. We need those that are connected to this energy to remind us of, yes, it needs boundaries and containment and care because she can be wild and destructive and ferocious. And she is this absolutely magnetic, necessary part of what it is to be alive. Mm. And when we cut ourselves off from that aliveness, kundalini, like, It's not just like one snake kind of representing Kundalini. It's like the light and the dark weaving with each other. When you cut off the dark, you're stuck. And to feel what it is to be in these social cultures, global cultures that have cut us off from that and taught us to cut us off at from that energy in different moments and different times in our lives. The medicine in my experience is exactly what you're speaking to. It's choosing that it's important. It's choosing to reactivate that. It's choosing to activate that for the first time if you've never experienced this before. It's choosing that that expression of aliveness is important. And choosing that those dedicated times, the altar spaces, whether it's your kind of like placing items of meaning and magic on a table, or it's you sitting in this clear space and making yourself an altar of life, allowing yourself to come back to the movement, the plants the meaningful symbols, archetypes, and expressions of life that bring you back home. Mm. And something that I'll also offer that I think you're connected to too, Saya, and a part of this is for me, my most intense times of depression have come when I've shut down my acts of service of my wow. medicine of my aliveness, of my magic, of how I care about the world and relationships and eroticism and what it is to keep learning and deepening in the embodiment field. In moments when I chose to cut myself off from that, that's when I would burn out, shut down and hide.
1: Yeah. 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 Thank you for adding that. That's a huge, huge piece. If I'm not in service, so something that has been really helpful for me in guiding me on this path was when I discovered the placement of my Lilith in my astrology and I discovered it's in Virgo and Virgo is related to service. And so the deeper I went into this specific placement and the meaning that I have, currently around my Lilith being in services my dark feminine is here to be in service and it's a big big part of my dharma and I have tried to like in this last year when I haven't been in my highest service but obviously I recognized that I needed to be in service in some way I needed to make money I was you know it's like what can I do and I tried to work in a cafe and I tried best I really did like I'm telling you I tried so hard <laughs> I'm laughing over here because I'm like
0: are you sure <laughs> you tried to work in a cafe you tried to work in a cafe. it's just amusing. continue your story I'm laughing
1: <laughs> what do you mean
0: <laughs> I really did <laughs> I just have this image of like you pinning yourself up in like good girl Saya trying to go into a cafe and you like slowly start turning into the dark feminine while you're in the cafe and it's like no. <laughs>
1: I was trying so hard to contort myself into this good girl, like be in service, like just do this thing to just fucking make ends meet and just be accepted in society. Honestly, at the time, I was just trying to survive. I was really just trying to survive. And yeah, it was very, my nervous system was not, which is, I was like shuddering in this cafe job all the time. And I was like, what's going on? Like, just. And it's like, I just knew that wasn't, that wasn't for me, it was not the place for me to be in service. And it was not the place for my gifts to be offered. And it was not the space for me to be my creative genius. And it wasn't the work that I was here to do. And so in that time, I was, yeah, it was, it was very challenging, very humbling. And essentially, I was brought back to, how I can be in service in a much more aligned way. So, yeah, just being in service is really a big piece to feeling alive. And I believe that we can all be in more service when we are connected to this part of ourselves, and when we're working with these tools.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I really love about your journey and my journey and some other folks journey with wild grace and coming to like dark feminine embodiment work and wild grace specifically is that recognition that what, I've learned and what I experience, us learning in this work doesn't just apply to the like fucking magnificent practitioners that come out of this program and the badass women who transform their lives and start making money doing this work and start shifting their worlds around their relationship with their eroticism, with their dark, with their feminine, with themselves, with their patterns and their shadows, it also goes into like the service and connection in their relationships, whether it's partnerships or lovers, their families and their communities, like seeing the way that women get to experience and learn around relationship in these trainings is like life-changing and that service that we can offer from this place of like the gift of our love getting to come out and it not having to be this like lightwashed, love and light only good vibes only, but this actual fucking love for what it is to be human with its frustration and its irritation. And it's, Oh gosh, why is that part of me itchy again? And like taxes and like all of the weird, wild, strange parts of this life, the muddy feet, the compost the making breakfast for yourself and those that you love because you need to eat what it is to be with the rhythms of life and what it is to really bring our love to the mess of life and not just this image of perfection that we've been sold in ascension schools and love and light tantra schools and gosh, just like general social media imagery of this perfect life. Like getting to see the women who go through this work, who get to experience real relationships, real connections, real deep experiences of what it is to be alive, which, yeah, brings me into like, an excitement to announce, though it started to be announced. It's like, folks, Sai is back. Sai back on the trainer team for Wild Grace. She's bringing her medicine. You are bringing your medicine to us, which I find, especially in the powerful and beautiful transition between kind of like SIG being the original creator, Sigourney Bell being the original creator and birther of Wild Grace, and now being kind of like the torchbearers, the new torchbearers of this new kind of like global era of Wild Grace that your kind of like OG status brings, you've gotten to come back full circle into this work again and be offering from this place of feeling really solid and Also feeling connected to what it is to go through those journeys because I don't know someone and I don't know people who don't know someone who has gone through journeys like this. This is happening in so many people around the world in various different flavors and kinds of experiences in that kind of like full list of different ways that you could frame What is it to go through the complexity and challenge of learning in life and to be able to really stand as someone who has been hospitalized, as someone who has been in the bottoms of the bottoms of the barrels of the bottoms of the oceans, bottoms, bottom. (laughs) I just wanted to say bottom a lot, but who's been there. (laughs) To also be able to shine, to offer gifts, to bring the power forward. Because the imagery that we've been given is that people who struggle with quote unquote mental health are unstable, a problem, and that you want to connect with people who like have never had a problem before in their life. Oh, no. They can't Mm. fucking hold, like they have the capacity of a teaspoon and not even like an actual teaspoon like one of those fancy little British like tea spinning teaspoons I love y'alls but you don't have a lot of capacity it's like I want to work with the humans that have been through it
1: a hundred percent I really feel that and yeah you, for me I, I gravitate towards facilitators and practitioners who have been through the most challenge and strife and struggle themselves because I know that they have had a visceral experience. They haven't read about trauma and it just read about trauma in a book. You know, it's possible <laughs> to read about trauma in a book. But trust me, you don't know how to hold space for trauma until you have experienced it viscerally in yourself and taken yourself through that. And so I yeah I truly believe that And I I think that it actually really links to that big dick energy that I was I speak of, like truly embodied, healthy, dark, masculine comes from a space of deep inner knowing that you have got yourself because you've been through the wars. And it's not a it's not a theoretical energetic, it is embodied. And so if you desire to embody your warrior if you desire to embody your dark feminine you need to be held and facilitated by someone who holds that and has journeyed that in themselves and you know that you can i i believe you can feel that very immediately through someone's voice through someone's energy field through someone's aura through the way that someone shares themselves.
0: yeah And that's a part of a lot of the teachings that we offer in Wild Grace is the learning how to touch into that capacity. In a world where I experience a lot of Tantra teachers that talk from their breathy, throaty space around their chakras and the Kundalini rising. Like, I love y'all. It's human if you talk like that. But what it is to really talk from your pussy, to talk from your bones, to talk from the depths of who you are and offer that space of realness into the world, where we're taught to put on all different kinds of characters in order to look like we're enough. And as we've been saying, that's a part of what's, yeah, that's a lot of what we experience as challenging is that story of perfectionism. And the dark feminine will just like eat that for breakfast. So if you are a struggling perfectionist, like most of us in the world, I highly recommend that you consider coming to a wild grace training. Mm -hmm. Saya is going to be co-facilitating with Melody, Ms. Melody Lubin in Perth at the end of June, beginning of July. It is deeply exciting. We have a few, very few early bird left. So if you're interested, please connect with us. We want you there. This work in person is life-changing. And if that's not quite the option for you, we're also announcing an online Wild Grace training, the first one that's happened in over a year, so that the whole kind of like tribe and world and community and coven of Wild Grace can come and gather again. And we're gathering for the online initiation around the theme of resilience. What is it? To keep showing up to the table when we have been taught that we're helpless and we can't? How do we show up after burnout? How do we show up when it's hard and you're tired and your kids are screaming and there's a whole bunch of things happening in the world? How do you still show up for what you really care about? If you really wanna kind of like journey into kind of like warrior meets priestess, definitely hop into this online initiation. What's really beautiful about the Perth in person that I'm really excited to hear about because I'm on the other side of the world. So I can't join you, but I would love to because you have this like gorgeous eco resort, this beautiful space. I was being shown it. Premalaya is gorgeous. I just had a an invitation call with one of the women who will be coming and she lives on site at Premalaya. And she got to show me this like dark womb cave of a space with these like dark wood floors and this huge mirror. And I was like, oh my gosh, you humans are going to be dancing and so alive and so in your power in this space. And a part of the theme there is home. Mm -hmm. What is it to come home to ourselves in a world that has taught us to distract and disassociate and disconnect from our truth, our power, our eroticism, and that we can heal our experiences that have been painful and show up empowered and alive in our lives? This is also the home of where Wild Grace was birthed, is in Australia. These are the lands that birthed her ideas, her ways of being, the images of women around the world choosing to dance and play in mud and come back to the earth as priestesses of love. So I hope that you choose to go meet Saya in the flesh, to meet Melody, and to go on this journey. And if not, you can join me and Freya, the co-mamas of Wild Grace, in the online initiation for, yeah, another flavor or possibility field of the importance of journeying this medicine, whether you can do it in person for the particular potency of that, or online so you have the lived experience in your rhythms of life and your world. Mm -hmm. yeah I also really want to thank you Saya, for choosing to be open about your experience there's a lot of shame that we've been taught to have like I was even noticing a little tinge of it trying to come in when I was telling my story of like you're supposed to be put together you're supposed to like know what you're doing and it's like I'm put together and know what I'm doing because I fell apart and Mm. just want to really acknowledge the courage that it takes to show up and to share the realness of what it's like to go through the descent journeys that turn into endless downward spirals and wandering through graveyards when we're taught we're supposed to be jumping off of clouds and pooping rainbows all the time. It's like, (laughs) it seriously means
1: a lot. It's my pleasure.
0: Beautiful. Well, I hope you loves have enjoyed this sharing. I've certainly enjoyed my time being alive here and feel free to get in touch with us. And I look forward to connecting with you soon.
1: Goodbye loves. See you soon.